Hello, it's Beth Kempton, author of Freedom Seeker and founder of Do What You Love. Welcome to the Freedom Seeker Chronicles. If you're new here, you can find out more about me and my work at bethkempton.com. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles is a place for brave stories, real inspiration, actionable advice, and great conversations. So many of us build lives that end up trapping us, chasing the kind of success that doesn't actually make us happy, until one day we eventually realize that enough is enough. We want to do things our way. We want to manifest our own happiness. We want to escape, make our own rules, and fly free. Because deep down we know it's in flying free that we fulfill our true potential and we really come alive. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles podcast is a regular dose of escape elixir to reignite that desire and light the way. I define freedom as the willingness and ability to choose your path and live life as your true self. In this podcast, the stories will inspire that willingness. And in my book, Freedom Seeker, you'll find all the tools you need for that ability. The rest is up to you. If you haven't yet read my book, you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all good independent bookstores. It's the perfect companion to this podcast. And if you've read it and you're here for more inspiring stories, welcome friend, you're in for a treat. So let's dive in. Today, I'm sharing a cup of tea and a chat with Ben Keane, who has one of the most fascinating minds I know. He's head of the Escape School in London, the learning arm of escapethecity.org, and he's worked with tons of startups, including some of the world's fastest growing brands like Airbnb. Ben is a brilliant connector, tribe builder, and avid reader as founder of the Rebel Book Club. He's also married with three children under three and has my head spinning with all he has been up to and all he juggles. Did I mention he once drove to Timbuktu to inspire more people to plan long trips mid-career? Yes, he loves travelling too, and I think you're going to love this conversation. All about the challenges of escaping what you know for what could be, about risk-taking, family-making, the juggle of business and parenting and more. I laughed often, nodded my head frequently at his wisdom, and I am so happy to share this with you today. Hi Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Beth. Good to speak to you again. I have so much to ask you about how you juggle your amazing work and your family and all these things. But before we get onto your personal story, I really want to ask you a bit about what trends you're seeing out in the world. Because recently you've been working with an amazing organisation, Escape the City, and leading on their education side of things. And you come into contact with a lot of people who are in a real stage of transition, either just before or going through it or just after. And what kind of trends have you seen in terms of what people are looking for, um, for their lifestyle these days? Yeah, that was a good question and a big one. I think if I just look back, say, over the last two years, uh, I've worked with probably um, five to six hundred individuals who are um, trying to make some kind of change in their career. And the majority of the people that I've worked with are people who are uh, interested in starting uh, their own business. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they end up running their own business, but they are definitely motivated to explore a more entrepreneurial career and get some of their creativity or the ideas they've been talking about out into the world and see what that looks and feels like. So I guess from a trend point of view, that's not new is that people wanting to start businesses. But what's, what's interesting, I think, is that people feeling like it's more accessible than ever before. 
So that's tools. So that's like getting stuff online and building, whether it's getting cheap marketing through things like Fiverr or building simple websites through strikingly in Squarespace or um, getting simple business plan models like the lean startup kind of tools and all the stuff that we do with our communities. But people getting confidence quicker than they did in the past, they don't have to raise money. They don't have to, um, you know, have this really credible training or background. They can literally just test and, and, and get something going. Um, and alongside that, I think it's just become, uh, this is something I, it's a thing, I feel it's a bit of a double-edged sword, but it's become cooler to, to build, you know, to, to build a business or be an entrepreneur in inverted commas, whatever. It's, it's the, I think the tech scene that we've, we've seen obviously come out of Silicon Valley and spread around the world over the last 10, 15 years has, has really, um, helped that happen. But the juncture where I think, um, I'm sitting in, I think, where you are, and it's this really interesting one between people who are, yeah, they want to build businesses that are going to sustain um, their um, their lives, and they want to create wealth for them and their families, and, and people who are actually trying to design lifestyles. So it's not just saying, I want to build a business because I want to make, uh, you know, and make a million as fast as possible. It's like, I want to build a business because... Um, I want to have more autonomy in my in my life. Um, I want to be able to work more remotely. I want to decide um, who I work with more, what kind of supply chains I I want to work with. I want to, uh, you know, just basically have more say about the way I live. Um, and I think we do a lot of work here at Escape on uh, motivation. So obviously values plus like why do you want to make these changes? Some of these factors of people being pushed away from their current way of working. Some are pull factors like wanting to wanting to get ideas out there. And um, and what are their current resources? So time, money, networks, you know, and then you combine all those together and you get something out the other end, out this little engine that's called your good uh, idea criteria, which are essentially what are the three Two or three things that really guide how you're going to make decisions as you as you make this transition. So, for example, mine and these evolve over time, right? Because life life changes. So, mine uh, would be things like um, a certain amount of time and money um, with or for my family, and that's a, there's a baseline there, and it's non-negotiable. Um, and then a certain uh, I want to spend if I'm working on a project for 50 hours a week, I want to work with a certain type of person, um, someone who's got uh, you know positive outlook who is creative who wants to change the world for the better you, you know be really clear about who you want to work with and then thirdly it's like I always want to have a different or a new kind of challenge at least on a you know three-month basis or whatever and then if you've got those criteria or I want to work remotely in a hot country during the winter it might be very clear uh, if you've got those criteria when you actually um, then start looking at all your ideas or your career options or you start exploring these things just help you make those decisions because there's so much ambiguity i think when people are going am i going to commit career suicide am i going to feel like an imposter if i change things am i going to all these psychological barriers that um that that good coaches and mentors help you with um these things just help you just cut through all that stuff quite quickly because you know what you want um and you've got to review it so those are the kind of trends we're seeing. And then, of course, there's those are macro trends in the world as well. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to go into all of that stuff. But uh, it's, it's fascinating. And I think that the, the idea that you have one career um, for 20, 30, 40 years is obviously changing quite dramatically, both because of uncertainty and because of opportunity. So we're seeing a little bit of that. And um, it's fun to help people experiment without taking huge risks. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think it's sometimes I wonder whether I think things are changing as fast as they are because I'm surrounded by people who believe that they are and are doing those things and are living, you know, um, maybe not 100% conventional lives, which I think is a really good thing. Um, but I don't know. I do think there's a, gen- a, a, a wider kind of bubbling away of, of people going, hang on a minute. I don't have to just follow the rules and do like follow the path that's been laid out for me and all of that. And I love seeing people like you helping people make those decisions because they're not easy decisions. Do you see any kind of personality traits that tend to be in the people Mm. that come to you? Well, obviously, they're curious people. Um, And I think you make a really interesting point about saying, oh, maybe it's just because these are the people I spend my time with. But actually, the people that um, we are both trying to help or are coming from a place where they might they, they are transitioning so you've got to meet them um, uh, meet them where they are and so I find this whole especially in the world of startups this whole language around well startup is is a word in itself uh, you know uh, tech and uh, monetize and all this kind of language which has come from Silicon Valley I think that we need to reframe some of that and um, to help people with where they're at right now. Like, I want a healthy, better quality of life. I want to get see if my ideas could be out in the world. So personality traits, definitely you look for if people are going to have a chance of doing this because they need you, – you can't help everyone. Um, and so when we're at Skate, we really zoom in on the people who have a, at least a idea of what – you know, some kind of entrepreneurial idea, that they, a niche they want to scratch. Um, if they've got lots of ideas, then we go, great. Uh, here's how you get down to one, but don't come on our programs until you've got one because otherwise you're going to go back and forth too much. If they have no ideas, which is completely normal, they just they just <laughs> want to do it. But they're not sure what the idea is. There's there's an excess of ideas. They can call you or they can um, they can you know there's those are ways of finding ideas. You can, you can learn idea generation, um, but really like let's start together with that with at least one idea and learn how to to launch it, and then you've got a toolkit that you can do with new ideas or with different people in the future. So there's got to be a level of curiosity. There's got to be some kind of idea uh, as to what they want to explore, and and from a risk point of view, and I think this is where the this is more interesting. Whereas maybe even a generation ago. You know, you look at the role models of whoever it is, your Richard Branson, so on. It's like big risk takers, you know, all this stuff. But actually, if you dig under the surface of the classic entrepreneurs, they weren't necessarily um, that big a risk taker. They just like is part of their brand in some ways. Um, and so Branson always talks about protecting the, the, the downside of the business. So, you know, if you're going to um, bet all your money on one thing, then at least get into a little simple agreement or contract that if it doesn't work, you get 90% of it back. Um, which is why he was able to launch, you know, his airline business and and so on. Um, so I think it's helping people. I think that we are attracting because it's it's growing this audience of people who are who are wanting to do something different with their careers or their uh, or go into business and or make an impact in the world. Is actually um, they are slightly less risky, at least initially. Otherwise, they just do it themselves. They're coming to escape. They're coming uh, to you and other people because they they want help and guidance and confidence building. And so, actually, helping them with that kind of de-risking process is a really uh, is really valuable. So you're saying, look, you you don't have to risk everything. You don't have to give up. You can start this on the side. At some point, you've got to tip it over the edge. So I think it's those people, personality traits, who are like, yeah, I want to try this, but I've been my 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 sense of adventure and risk and creativity has kind of been dulled by a mixture of education and institutions of society and all that all the media and all of that and so because everything's falling apart <laughs> um 
which we know it's not. It is for some people, but for the majority, it's not. And so, um, and so, it's just it's just helping people see a way through that and and to try and simplify it a bit because it is complicated. Well, it is. Well, seeing as we've got you here, why don't we pick your brain? So say I'm someone who's, I've got this great idea and I've just come to escape school and I mm. I have a full-time job and I want to leave, but I'm terrified of leaving and I have a family and um, my husband's out of work right now. He's not. This is just, <laughs> but he works with me. But this is me pretending to be someone who might come to you um, with my idea. So that's my situation. And um, basically I have a couple of grand in the bank I've been saving up to use but not a ton of money and I'm basically terrified because what if it doesn't work out and I've quit my job so what would you say to me (laughs) I don't want your money no I would say say that no it's a it's a a pretty typical profile um, of people we we meet Um, the first thing I would say is who do you want to help and what's that what's their problem and who do you want to help so just forget the whole like your life story for a second who do you want to help and what's what's the problem what's their need um, you know, classic business question. Um, and then, and then once we've got that and go, Oh, so have you got ideas for how you think you can help them? Um, and then you, what, what, I, what you'll probably start to tell me, well, not you, but your, uh, the character in the story will pro- start to say, Oh, I've seen, I've got this vision for this, um, this, this platform and it's going to provide all these services and it's going to do all these things like really exciting. And that's where you hear the creativity and the entrepreneurialism. But the problem is, is they're not, going back to that very simple starting point and say, well, if you go for that grand vision on day one and throw what little money you've got at it, you're going to fail because you're focusing on this, uh, this utopian solution rather than trying to find 10 people to do come to one event or um, sell 50 bars of whatever it is, the healthy chocolate, or um, get, get 500 emails through a, a, a fun little content campaign online or just start writing and sharing, sharing on knowledge or interest. And all those different tactics which can test out whether other people feel the same and building community and, and getting to the first sale. And um, and then all that, and then you're like, okay, so is that going to take a long time? No, we can do that in four evenings or we can do it in one weekend. Um, and so, hang on, I've been thinking about this for two years. Are you sure we can do it in a weekend? Um, and we do little challenges which prove this case. So you can do, you know, how to get 500 Twitter followers in two hours or you know, how to get someone you, you really admire in the world to write back to you when we do these challenges. And people, it happens, and it's remarkable. I mean, you do this, you practice this, so you know, but helping people who've never experienced that before is really good fun. Absolutely, um, and I'm, a, sat here with, I'm sat here with a smile on my face because even just listening to you, imagining that I'm that person, is suddenly a lot less terrifying because I'm like, actually, what's the worst-case scenario? I get 450 followers instead of 500, and, you know, I, it, and it's, it seems so much more doable when you make it yeah. just small little things and it's quick and I know if it works, if it doesn't work, I didn't lose much and I'll try something else and just be nimble. You didn't lose and... Much. and you got to do it with a bunch of other people who are all feeling pretty much the same. And uh, yeah, and, and so so doing those little experiments, taking the pressure off. And the, the thing is, ideas are doomed to fail if they have like all your hopes and dreams on them on day one. Um, they're not doomed to fail, but they're gonna, it's going to be a lot harder to succeed. I've learned this with, with Tribe Wanted, you know, because it, got, it took off quite quickly. This was the first project I, I worked on over a decade ago. Um, it took off really quickly um, and gave that false sense of scale and opportunity and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you get some good PR and suddenly everyone's like, oh, this is going to be the next big thing in the world. And, um, of course, you haven't built a business, good business model underneath uh, because no one's taught you or you haven't asked for help. And so... Um, and then you and then you struggle for a few years and you survive and it's okay and you learn a lot and the you know 
um, it carries on. But it's sort of like, oh, I could have saved myself a lot of headaches there um, if I'd got the right guidance, um, like any good education. But yeah, um, de-risking it, having a lot more fun, not putting too much pressure on an idea which doesn't exist. And so no one cares about it. This is the thing I love. It's like people come in and they're like, I don't even know if I can tell you. I'm like, do you know, the idea that's been going around your head that you've written loads about, no one cares. I don't care about it. I care about you because I'm interested in helping you. I do not care about your idea yet. If it becomes something and it's helping people in the world, it's creating value for you and, and the, your customers and your audience, it's making the world a better place. Now, now this is interesting. Now we all want to help get this bigger. But um, So, yeah, that's the good stuff. So it's that mindset kind of shift. But what's crazy is, you know, you work with 16-year-olds or, or even 10-year-olds on the entrepreneurial things, and they just do it. They're just like, oh, let's make lemonade and sell it. Whereas you work with a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old, and they've got all these things blocking them in the head, even <laughs> though they've got a portfolio of experience that would, you know, it's worth 10 people. So um, it's getting back to that playfulness and that sort of sense of it's all possible and let's have fun and stop reading all those blogs. Not, well, not all of them, obviously. <laughs> not yours. You know, yours this, is really good. <laughs> not, yeah, not, not our blogs, people. Don't keep reading those. No, just be more, just, just be more disciplined in like your approach to this. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, I, that's how we started. And it, then we can talk about the kids. Yes, yeah, it's, it's brilliant because I think of it, um, in Freedom Seeker, we talk about, you know, being trapped in a cage and getting out the ca- and, you know, finding a way to get out of the cage. But you open that door and it's not like suddenly all your problems are solved because you've been in this like safe, tidy little space. And then there's like the big wide world. And that's really frightening. And how do you know where to go and what's next? And, you know, who's going to help you get to where you want to go and all those things. And when you talk about ideas, yeah. it makes me think about that and like direction. How do you choose? Like, how do you know? which idea is a good idea for you, good enough to put that energy in to try it out? Well, you don't is the simple answer. Um, You don't. You've just got to try. Um, But it comes back to, so what we're talking about here is, and uh, Freedom Seeker is a brilliant metaphor for, um, in terms of the cage and everything, is this idea of identity change, um, which is one of the hardest things to do as a human being because we love this sense of, belonging and security obviously as children and everything i'm not a psychiatrist but you can see this it's not rocket science and um so so when it comes to like okay it says on my card here and at the bottom of my email that i am a business associate an analyst blah 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 now honestly i don't really love this but this this is who i am professionally and i've worked hard to get here and i'm scared about letting go of that and so the, one of the first things we can what I like to do with people is like, okay, let's go on your LinkedIn page. Um, it says here, business associate. Now you don't want to do this. What do you want to be in the future? And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur or growth hacker or whatever it is. I was like, great, let's just change it. So we just change it. <laughs> I love like, it. <laughs> you're now Beth Kempton, growth hacker. And then like, let's start following a few people. And then just come back here in a week. I, yeah, but my experience doesn't say I'm a growth hacker. I was like, yeah, but you just have to show you're interested in it. And then come back a week later and people have started following you who are actually, because obviously algorithms on LinkedIn are all around the keywords. So you start getting connected to groups and other people who are also either actual growth hackers or are interested in it as well. And then suddenly you're like, oh, and also it's a visualization of your future. It's quite good fun. Yeah. Um, people are like, it's scary to do that, but it's not if you've got someone just doing it for you or helping you do it. 
Um, so I haven't answered your question, but it's uh, I love this it idea that you've given us a challenge to try. Just LinkedIn, try, try link, it on. Hack your LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah hack your LinkedIn. I think there's, there's a lot uh, in that. Try on the identity that you want to be. You know, like they say dress for the job you want, that kind of thing. You know, reprint yeah, your well, business empathy, card. Isn't it, for your, yeah, and we're always trying to practice empathy in our lives. Or if we do, life is better, whether it's at home or at work. So if you can empathize with your customers, like literally you're in their shoes, then you've got a much better chance of selling to them. Um, and if you can empathize with your future self, even better. <laughs> You've got love much better that. chance of becoming that person. I love that. Okay, so we're talking about changing your identity. You are a shapeshifter. You have done all sorts of kinds of work and consulting and worked with fascinating big brands and also you know small projects that are really inspiring. And you seem to have definitely created your own life. Do you go through life with a plan or is it all organic? I'm, I'm having to learn to build a plan, Beth. Uh, and I think the, um, but it's, it's a plan built on, on lots of organic growth. Um, and the reason, the reason of shift is just the stage of life that, well, you're at it as, at it as well, which is having a young family. So I've got three young children. The third one's just arrived. So, um, three in three years, which is definitely the fastest kind of startup growth <laughs> I've had. Uh, my, they're my most successful businesses by far, but, um, I'm which is super, how they should be. I'm super impressed by how you're finishing all your sentences with a one month old baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder to talk at home than it is here. But, um, the, yeah, so I think that, it, yeah, it was really organic growth, um, or, or it was just following my, um, because there was, I, there was, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's genuine freedom for a long time. It's that sort of sense of, I do. Know, I have responsibilities in how I behave in the world and decisions I make in terms of how it impacts me and the people I'm working with and so on. And but other than that, for for you know, um, pretty much for 15 years, I did. I, I got to make most major work and travel and life decisions without thinking too much about um, big big consequences. Um, and whereas now with a young family, it is it is a definitely another layer of uh, a different level of challenge. Um, and I think just to be honest, I mean, I'm right in the heat of it now. I'm finding that um, not so much the, the decision making around that hard, but just finding the, the breathing space to think about it hard. So whereas in the past, I think you've had that sort of like I'm intensely in this project and now I can step out of it and think about what's next. Or this is this is making me curious. It ties in with my good idea criteria let's explore that for a little bit. And it's just um, the lack of space for that right now that um, I think is the challenging part, which is which is normal, right? And I know that I, and we just need to make the decisions, small decisions, they didn't have to be major ones, like we're gonna quit and go traveling, and which is fine for six months, but then you've got to come back and start again. Um, but making a little bit of space um, uh, as a family and and for me to think oh what would be i'm curious in all these things how can i how can i continue to explore this or or check in on is what i'm doing really fitting in with everything else uh so that's that's challenging for sure but yeah up until that point it's been all organic <laughs> wow it's, it is so important and i think something that really struck me when i had my children was i i really didn't think it through in terms of how my life would change and everyone told me about it and I went yeah yeah didn't listen and then I just didn't think through the practicalities and there's like logistics I never used to really think about logistics I just rock up somewhere and get on with my life and that you have to think through so many more things and you know I think that's where some of the headspace goes and that is really important and what you say about the tiny pieces of space makes such a difference even just for like half an hour here or an hour there it really 
can just let you kind of reset again and that is yeah and this is this is why we're seeing this trend which we didn't talk about at the start but it's so obvious this this need for well-being which is um in all sorts of different shapes and forms whether it's the mindfulness uh side or whether it's um physical challenges or whether it's like changing diets um how we work like well like what does our workspace uh look like um and and all this kind of stuff and i think that has really come from this this space of like especially for people who've had those kind of traditional jobs over the last 20 years or longer realizing you don't have to do that anymore there was maybe a time economically where that was and it is the case in many parts of the world still but now you can choose we have uh a tool called the internet where we can do things like this we don't need to be all in the same place we don't need to be all on the same train at the same time and so it's a slow it's i think i think we get overexcited sometimes about the speed of change um and there's loads of people pioneering it in the world um but there's also i think there's an ebb and flow flow to it as well so there's gen genuinely there is a shift towards this and like every other person that comes into the escape school the product or service they want to build is around is around well-being and sometimes i get a bit frustrated saying come on guys there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of bigger, you know, in inverted commas, problems in the world. But if people's if that's the need that they feel needs to be served in their lives or in their communities, the people their their working space, then serve it, and they'll learn from that, and then they'll be tooled up to to go beyond. Um, but it is like it's the biggest thing. It is right now, definitely. And you, I know your lovely wife, and I know that um, mm. she has really thrown herself into motherhood, and I know that she'll be amazing at that. And you obviously have a really great partnership. What would you say to someone whose partner doesn't really get their dreams, doesn't really support what they're trying to do, but will be massively impacted by it, so they do kind of need their support? I think it's, it's hard. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really hard place to be. Um, because you're going to really test your relationship in that moment or as you go through that process because you're trying to move back towards like this identity you feel is your own and at the same time you've got someone who you're supposedly closest with who's who's pushing back against that. So I, I expect that's really tough. I think my only real guidance on it would be to try and show, not tell, because I think just talking, not talking through it, but trying to tell someone as you get into these habits in relationships, you're like, no, no, this is this is what we need to do, or this is how it is. Um, if you can really show them um, that this is, I I'm more alive, I'm more awake, I'm more um, who I really want to be when I when I'm doing this or when I'm exploring that, and it doesn't have to be a huge overnight change. It can be just like snippets to start with. Then your partner, if they are honestly if they are the right i can't give relationship advice like a radio show Beth. <laughs> but if they if they're because the, i'm not in a perfect relationship my wife would tell you she'd be like that guy he doesn't know um but uh at least then you're like okay we you know i've really shown you this is what i want to do and then you figure out where the compromises are yeah. um i think the the thing that i've learned over the last three years with, with Suze is that um the relationship you have uh, this is going to sound sound interesting, but the relationship you have at night is different to the one you have during the day. And I'm not talking about a romantic relationship. Um, I'm talking about once you've had children at night, your your life uh, comes alive in a different way, and um, and you're under yeah, it's a, it's a strange it's a strange new way of communicating because you're you're both not at your best, and so you're trying to have this like you're trying to do the the jobs that you need to do. Um, to get through the night and uh, with the children and then it's like 
Yeah, so someone should do a documentary on it. It'd be fascinating. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's so true. I've never thought about that. How how you just how you communicate in the dark when you're trying to juggle yeah. the children with your Life in the dark big head. <laughs> it's just two different experiences. The uh, I think there's a, probably an eighty twenty rule around this. I think before um, you have children, it's probably eighty percent um, a relationship and twenty percent a team. Um, so yeah, you've got a few projects to get away. I know in your case, it's probably more. It was more fifty-fifty early on, depending on how the equity was split. Um, but I, you know, once you have children, I think that switches over. So you then become probably eighty percent a team and twenty percent the relationship at most. And by relationship, I mean like all the stuff that you were like, oh, it's about us. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Because it becomes about some someone else and something else, and so that and that's that's great. But if you're not prepared for that. Um, and I think there's, there's a similar parallel in startups and businesses as well. It's not quite as as emotionally intense, but um, with founders, um, you go through that sort of stuff as well. It's like romantic honeymoon period, like idea generation. We're getting traction. We're getting stuff out into the world. And it's brilliant. We're making things. We're, we're doing something positive. We've got revenue and so on. And then the reality kicks in, you know, six, nine, 12 months later of like, oh, that service didn't go quite as well or whatever the problems are or mm. we've got to start hiring someone and they're not as good as we thought or, you know, all those things and, and that puts pressure on the relationship. And um, so, yeah, there's lots of parallels. I try to explain it, that, you know, uh, when I go home that it's just like running a business and she's like, no, it's not. <laughs> so, and Bert is like running a marathon and it's like apparently that's not the case either. <laughs> I think team's a really, really good word from Dr. Ben. You heard it here first. Um, but it is. It really is. And I think that's that's part of that's part of the thing, actually, about if someone doesn't get it. It is a team. So it's also, you know, what I often think that it's about sometimes when somebody responds to you in a way that you don't want is because either they're feeling threatened by what your dreams are. Maybe they're bigger. They feel bigger than what you've got right now or that they're mm. shining a light on what they want and don't have, and that's really uncomfortable. So if you approach it as a team, I think that's a really great way to go because it's like, right, this is, you know, it's like we're in this together, we're building this together. What do we both want and how can we do that where, the, you know, the whole is greater than some of the parts? So I'm going to take that. And your next book is going to be about how to build a team, power team couples, you know, better title <laughs> that. At work and at home. <laughs> Mr. K, yeah. Mr. K can write that one. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Okay, well, um, we're coming to the end of our time. But I would just really love to know that um, what you, what kind of advice do you think you'll give your three little ones as they're growing up in terms of encouraging them to make the most of their futures? It's, it's a great question and it's something we were talking about the other night at home and we were saying, you know, instead of saying can't, you can't do that, which is don't do that, can't, you can't do that, which is when you've got toddlers and probably all the way through their lives, <laughs> you're tempted to say on a regular basis because it's like don't stand on that, don't stand on the radiator, don't fall out the window, obviously. But um, <laughs> And it's that thing where you're like, we reminded ourselves, it's like, we don't want to be, say, we don't want to be saying those things. We want to be saying, you want to be asking, like, why is it, do you think that's a good idea to stand up there? Or um, why, uh, you know, you're just engaging in conversation and asking questions so they help think for themselves. Um, but it's so, because it's so tiring, and because it's so repetitive with children, I think that it wears us down. And so that's why, again, coming back to your team, you need a good, you need good reminders of, from each other. 
Um, and you need a community um, of, of friends and parents who, who get it as well. Um, so the biggest question is, so children naturally have a growth mindset. They naturally believe that the world is a great place and that people are there to, to, for them and to love them. And, um, and then once they start going out and they obviously they get their um, fears can grow quite quickly. But education, traditional education, quite quickly also starts to give them boundaries and say, well, you can do this, but you can't do that. And so I'm re- I'm fascinated by all this, and it's not so alternative now, but like you know, from Montessori to Steiner, and and everything in between, like this idea of like pursuing our own paths from a young age, um, and doing projects as opposed to um, focused curriculums, following some, and then through it, learning. You know, I went to the Green School in Bali, which is a great example of this. I mean, it's just the most beautiful campus in the world, but it's it's a great example of how you can learn. Um, core um, maths and science and language um, knowledge and skills by studying the Vikings or evolution or whatever it is and you can do a great production play production and loads of fantastic art and all the creative stuff which gets massively undervalued in, in education so my only focus I think with the girls um, when well, I've got a boy as well I mustn't forget that now uh, he's, <laughs> he's alive uh, my, only, my only focus with the children will be how can I um, help them maintain their growth mindset for as long as possible or for as, as, as to as maximum as possible. And I think the best way to do that probably is by making sure that I'm doing it myself. And so at this stage where ironically them, their existence is probably just, just a little bit um, scratching away at some of that and bringing a bit of cynicism in. Um, and I think that's inevitable. We're human. It's like, how can I re re um, focus on them and help them, maximize their growth mindset through the way I live um, and be an example be, be an example to them um, um, and learn from them because they're great they're great educators um, and so I'm uh, about to after I finish reading Freedom Seeker uh, reading a book by Paul Lindley who started Ella's, Ella's Kitchen called Little Wins which is about toddler mindset um, and Ooh. they are his customers so he should know a few. Oh I shall go and read that one right now. I've bought far too much Alice Kitchen in my time. <laughs> my old boat's book as well. Um, and okay, so finally, that it's so interesting, and I think it's so true what you say that that one of the most important things is to live your life in the way that you want to be teaching mm. them. You know, show show not tell again. Um, and I the last just remember that the last time that we were talking like this, you were in Bali with a one year old, spending a mm. few months out there, what living and working, and. I think that would be a very different situation with three under three, probably. But what what did you take away from that experience? And, and what would you say to somebody who's thinking about taking a chunk of time away with, with family, possibly working at the same time overseas, but is kind of nervous about the great unknown? Yeah, it's it, it immediately pulls up all those natural fears, doesn't it, when you think about going away from your safety, your, your little nest. Um so I think the biggest uh, fear for people is like, well, what risks are out there that I can't control? And, um, how, you know, there's the financial question. Um, is it, you know, is this going to be just a really expensive holiday? Can we afford it? Um, where, and then everything from like the health side, so that, you know, different climate bugs, all those kind of things. And I think when you've been cocooned around that kind of close-knit family life for a, a little while, it's, it's really hard to escape that because it's such a beautiful um, time. And then you go, well, to go back out into the world is to go back out into a scary place. But it's just because you haven't been doing it for a while. So the sooner you can get out there and do it, the better. The interesting thing for us for the Bali trip was that um, it was uh, 
we went with Isla when she was nine months and she came back uh, 12, 12 months. And so we went with a baby, came back with a toddler who could walk. And so that was a great transition. Um, but the financial question was really interesting. one. So I, I helped run a little program out there, which I set up, which is very similar to what we do at Escape. Um, and there's a great startup, creative startup community in Bali, obviously. Um, and But actually, we ended up saving 10% more in those three months financially than we would have done at home Um, and that and that included all our travel and just enjoying life out there yes it's cheap on the ground but it was um and we didn't you obviously don't pay for a one-year-old's ticket um but it was and we but we lived we stayed in great places and we ate out and we we had a great time there so i think it was down to the fact that you know it just shows you what's possible that's why i love this site nomad list because you can look around the world and go oh i could live uh we could live at this level uh, you know, of, of so people always think, yeah, how can I get my money to go up dramatically? But it's also how can you get your spending to go down? Uh, very basic, <laughs> obviously, but we don't. <laughs> but we, we don't, don't think about that, that often, lives. exactly. Especially no, for travel, we it, think it's going to cost a lot. Yeah, and what matters is there's a gap between the two, um, and the bigger the better if you want to save for the future. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so if you can if you can find ways that places that are a bit cheaper to live. Um, it's so easy to say this and it's hard when you have a young family, but that's, so that fear we, um, that block was easy, reasonably easy to overcome in hindsight. Um, I think the biggest challenge for us was, was around well-being of, you know, like the bugs and the climate with a, with a young, with a young one. Um, but the amazing thing is if you turn up in a place with a little baby, especially if they look a bit different to all the local ones, they're like, they're a point of fascination and, and people are just, you know, wherever you go in the world, if you have a child you automatically build um, relationships, whether it's in a, an airport lounge or um, or in immigration or, you know, wherever it is. They are great magnets for um, socializing, connecting with people. So um, basically, if you want to market yourself and have make, make lots of friends, take a baby with you. Uh, <laughs> Because they're, they're going to get more attention than you are. <laughs> we often get discounts for cuteness. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or not, but, uh, you know, I take it. <laughs> no, that's great advice. So to, to wrap up, Ben, what does freedom mean to you right now? Ah, freedom, freedom just means, uh, in a very, like, big sense, it just means that, that ability to choose. Um, and uh, it, it's having the – it's, it's having – choose about my make choice about my future and my and my family's future with them um and that's whether that's from the food we eat or uh what we do at the weekend or whether it's bigger picture stuff around our future plans and what what we want to do with our time but really on a day-to-day basis it's the freedom to choose because i think we we under yes of course we made lots of progress in society but we only have to see an event that happened in london um last week to know that actually uh, there's a there's a dark side there's a flip side to living in a globalized world and we're the, the projects that we're involved with about helping people uh, pursue their freedom and their dreams and like live a life on their terms are because we're living in a time where you can do that and there's so much fantastic opportunity and abundance um but it's also you know there's a lot of challenges and realities that are changing i think the hard thing is right now is the is the feeling of the world and life becoming more chaotic and more risky when in fact for the majority of us i'm talking about people who are living in a country like the uk and have the choice uh, the ability to choose how they live and work um we it's actually the safest world's the safest place it's ever been and and it's this really counterintuitive thing the data 
will tell you, you know, there's less crime, there's less war, there's less disease, there's less everything. And yet it doesn't feel like that. And that's because of, you know, the media, the way the media works now is 24-7. So freedom for me is choosing who I follow on Twitter because I can follow you and not some troll who's going to shout or Piers Morgan or whatever it is. <laughs> and I, that's a choice that actually impacts my well-being. Um, and yes, you can become, you've got to keep your, uh, take your blinkers off and you've got to see what's going on in the world. And you need to follow people who are very different to you as well, because that's how you learn. Um, and you know, we need to learn what's going on in the world politically. But, um, I think freedom is just those small day-to-day choices that mean that you, um, you can do things on your terms, um, but doing them, taking it with responsibility. So, uh, uh, but whether you have children or not. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Ben. Keep flying free, inspiring those children and all of us. It's always thought-provoking and brilliant to talk to you. So thanks so much for your time. I know you're busy. Good to speak with you too, Beth. So that's it for this time. You've been listening to me, Beth Kempton, in conversation with Ben Keane. You can find out more about Ben at benkeane.com. That's K-E-E-N-E. Or discover more about Escape the City and the Escape School at escapethecity.org. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll take what you've heard and use it to inspire your own journey of freedom seeking. I'd love to know what resonated with you and what bold moves you're making as a result. So please share on social media. I'm at Beth Kempton on Instagram or at Do What You Love XX everywhere else. And be sure to check out my website, BethKempton.com, for more tools and resources to support your adventures. If you haven't yet read my book, the full title is Freedom Seeker Live More, Worry Less, Do What You Love, and it's published by Hay House. Treat yourself to a copy today. It might just change your life. So until next time, fly free, my friend. Fly free.